Yo, 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 yo. All right, all right, all right, guys. So today is 10 14, 2019. It's about 5 p.m. on a Monday afternoon, almost evening. And I am exhausted, but I'm headed home right now to go take a fat deuce and give me a little bit of food and then knock out um, because I am completely running on zero energy. And when I mean zero energy, I mean zero fucking zero um, sleep. And I spent all my energy yesterday and I had a, I've had a long weekend. But, I mean, we're touching on the last weekend, my birthday weekend. I mean, I had, it was a nonstop weekend as well. Then I had nonstop work last week. Uh, I worked all all the days last week. Um, Monday, I did a bunch of errands. And then Tuesday through Friday, this last week, that just passed. Or Tuesday through Saturday, this last, I mean, it was every day, every day. Like, had a full week worth of work and got a lot done. But I want to start this episode off with my review of The Joker. Um, I finally went to go see it uh, one weekend past my birthday, which no big deal. Because, I mean, I wanted to see it because it was near my birthday. Um, last year it was Venom. Usually there's a birth- there's I get a birthday movie in just because, you know, I don't know. Sometimes there's some good movies around my birthday. Um... But yeah, definitely. Um, so I was like, it was on my radar. Now I'm not a, B- a DC fan. Um, the one or two characters I do like from their um, Doomsday—they completely eroded and, and bastardized. Um, you know, <sighs> you know. I kind of like, you know, Bane a little bit. Um, you know, there's some characters, some on the DC side that I do like, but there's not many. And the Joker's not one of them either. I don't feel the Joker is a true supervillain, and he's not. He's just more. Of a nuance. Uh, you know. They want to pay, pair him up against Batman. All the time. As being his arch nemesis. And I get. Joker is probably. His most. Knowing. Villain. And I think. It's got a lot to do with the clown aspect. It's got a lot of. I mean the character in and of itself. Yeah, he got a psychotic clown. I mean, murderous clown. A clown that doesn't take anything serious. Somehow getting the upper hand of this super dude that can take down crime, you know, in an instant. You know, I'm not going to dig too much into the complexities of the why each character balances each other out. But I went to go see the movie, like... And, uh, 
you know, because it was my birthday and because, you know, just, you know, it was like, okay, well, everybody said it was good. Actually, everybody said it was good and everybody said it was really dark, really dark and like, and when I mean, I guess when everybody was saying dark, I, I think they really meant like, that it was like, you know, like brutal or it was kind of like, dude, this crazy, like kind of like a horror movie or you would say, yo, it was dark, it's a dark movie or it just reaches levels you know, like 13 Reasons Why or, you know, it's just dark and touches on subjects it shouldn't. But, you know, seeing the movie... So, let me backtrack. Saturday, I like I said, I worked Monday through Saturday. Saturday, I got home. I was exhausted. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, I made plans with my girl and my nephew to go see the movie. Got up and got him got at it you know bought some movie tickets went to the art house had a few drinks had some dinner and then went rolled to the movies now like i said i didn't have much I, i'm not not much of a dc fan but i did was like excited to see the movie because i had heard it was good it was dark um it was around my birthday you know joaquin phoenix is a good actor you know there was a lot of a very lot of positives to it, you know. And the movie is basically, and I'm gonna spoil it because if you haven't seen it, you know, oh well. I've already had like a week and a half to do it. It's the 14th, you know, it came out on the 4th, so you've had 10 days. Um, the movie starts out. You know, he's like a there's he's in a clown academy um hustling a job, you know. Some I guess the people order clowns like to come and do um you know, do kinda like okay, if you having a he's actually helping a guy that's going out of business sell everything. So he's out there like his sign is everything must go, blah blah blah. So he's out there dancing around, you know. I think that's how the movie starts. Um, you know, they show him getting ready for the clown scene, you know, like put on his makeup, you know. That's like the first things you see, and. He's out there dancing, you know. And like, some kids come and they like they take his sign, which is actually not his sign, it's the uh business owner sign. Take it, he runs after him, and then they whip his ass in the alley. That's how the movie starts. And you kind of feel like, oh man, a little bit bad for him. You know, like damn, like these kids are fucked up, like <laughs> So, you know, he goes back to clown shop. Everybody knows he got his ass whipped. One dude gives him, I think, gives him a gun. Or maybe it's the next day. But, you know, you could just see Joaquin Phoenix is like, he looks run down. Like, his character in the movie just looks totally beat to shit. Like, emotionally. Like, 
already. He, he already looks like he's on the fritz. So, as the story moves, pushes forward, uh, he's even more fucked up. He loses his job. You know, he starts carrying around the gun. Uh, he shoots some people in the subway, which is Bruce Wayne's. No, no, Timothy Wayne, which happens to be Bruce Bruce Wayne's dad. Which is if you don't know who Bruce Wayne is, you know, it's Batman. Um, they happen to be his employees, so Ob sets off this chain reaction of like. You know, the city's crazy. You know, he's on meds. But the city's already got this kind of a feel to it. Like, the rich are too rich and the poor are too poor. And there's, like, no middle ground. There's no peace. There's nobody. There's no help coming. You know, the the socio uh, and the economic, you know, demographs are just... Disparagingly At a gaping There's just There's no bridge There's no Road to the top You know And you're, if you're stuck In that situation You're just stuck Similar to how The uh, You know Arthur I think his name is Arthur In the movie How Arthur is in the movie Or the Joker He's just stuck. You can just see, like, there's a lot of circumstance. I mean, I'll tell you right right away. Like, this is probably the best-looking movie, in my eyes, that that I've seen from DC um, in general. Like, it's the best-looking one. And when I mean best looking, I mean it's like visually, like they just, they shot shit. It's seemingly like in New York, like you get the full vibe of like New York hitting you, and not the cheap New York vibe that you got in the the Dark Knight trilogy, and then again in like Suicide Squad and all that bullshit. I don't even know if Suicide Squad was in New York, but. Um, you know the Avengers in the Marvel, they kind of didn't get New York right until they did. I think Doctor Strange. Um, but then it was only a passing fancy. I mean, New York isn't accurately depicted in any of the Marvel movies either. But maybe a little bit in in Infinity War, a little bit. But they, this one thoroughly, like the New York audience that will probably went to go see the Joker probably relates to it heavy. Like they could, you know. But then, then again, that's you know, Gotham is a parody of New York, you know. So you know, obviously, if you're gonna do it right, you're gonna do a good movie. Doing and doing it right, you need to shoot it in New York, like an actual New York. That you can't just digitally put in pieces of trash that look real that get that real dingy greedy feel to it you know that's a, that's only something you can get if you're there filming you know and I don't even know if it was filmed in New York but it does it does look like it 
Like I said, visually, it's amazing. Um, the costume, eh. But definitely the look of the film. It wasn't... it. The movie, everybody said was dark, but it was not all. And there was a lot of daylight scenes. There's a lot of stuff happening in the day. A lot of stuff happening in buildings. A lot happening during... Like, not a lot happening at night. So the, the film isn't dark looking either. It's more on the... Like, an actual movie. It looks like there's a lot of sunlight to it. And I think that actually plays a lot into... You know, what's going on in the movie... Um, but anyways, like I said, he, he, you can see the downfall. He murdered, he ends up murdering three people in cold blood because of the gun that the guy gave him. Uh, but, you know, they turned him into a vigilante as well in the movie. Um, because I guess he's standing up to the establishment uh, they don't know actually what happened. He actually was kind of protecting a lady in the subway. And when I mean protecting, he wasn't like... But he just started laughing. That was his condition. And instead of these three guys messing with the woman, they start messing with him. And he just straight up just pulls the trigger on him. You know... They cut his therapy down. They cut his medication. So he was going. He was already going ape shit. Now his descent to darkness isn't as dark as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's not as dark as people made it seem. Not as dark as. You know, as you would think. I mean, he finds out that his mother either lied to him or he. Didn't, I mean, it doesn't. Re- they leave a lot to interpretation in the movie. Um, like with no definite clear answers, but you could see his descent to darkness as it was. But like I said, it wasn't. He, to me, it, he didn't really descend to darkness. It was more of an ascension in my eyes. It was more of everything was uh, unmasked as in, as I kind of see it. And then unmasking, because he actually unmasks himself in the movie. Literally, he unmasks himself, uh, which is a huge difference between him and Batman. You know, Batman stayed hidden most of the movies. Most of the time, Batman's character is hidden from the normal people. But he he literally unmasks himself. And like I said, it's more of a... Not of a revolution, but of a... You know, an ascension from the darkness. And what I mean by that is... Like I said, he was... He kind of was standing up for the lady in the subway... He finds out that, you know, Timothy Wayne is a complete douche. And you kind of, you kind of, kind of figure that. He kind of, Timothy Wayne actually, if you put him as Donald Trump, you get the same character. He allegedly, he's standing up for the weak, but he's a billionaire. 
Um, I've had that discussion with myself. I don't get how anybody who's poor could actually vote for Donald Trump because it doesn't make any sense. He does not care one bit about poor people, especially poor Republicans or anything. He just simply doesn't care about your poor ass. Um, and that's just, just like Timothy Wayne, like, yeah, I'm not even sure if it's Timothy Wayne, but it's some, you know, Bruce Wayne's dad. You know, he basically says, like, he wants to help poor people, like, because he shouldn't be poor. I and mean, that's not really a plan. But he wants to help him because that's the right thing to do, allegedly. But when Arthur goes to the house and he actually confronts Alfred and baby Bruce, um,. It pretty much tells them that your mom's a psycho. She worked for us. You're not his kid. You're nothing. That's basically what it comes down to. You're nothing to us. You're not getting no help. Um, And that kind of reveals the inner character of Bruce Wayne's father. You know. So it kind of, you know, that gap just cemented itself that it was just going to be permanently there so the Joker had nothing to lose and I think he even stated that like there's nothing to lose like he didn't believe he existed to anybody as many people in you know there's a quote from Jay-Z song I think it's Empire State of Mind it's 8 million people out there in the naked you know the city is a pity half of y'all will make it like that kind of that theme is recurrent in the Joker movie like you're just not gonna come up you're just not so you're naked nobody, who, nobody cares who, nobody knows who you are nobody everybody's just trying to fuck you over um, so that's a recurring theme you know so like I said you know He saved like it just basically the pieces aligned for him to become the Joker. Um, the cops end up shooting uh, a couple of the clowns, and you know there was a real whole revolution happening. That because he killed the people on the subway, there was um, a, like a movement starting. That all these the anonymous killer clown shot and killed three of you know Gotham's pretty boys, you know, and there's you know there's a lot of resentful hatred for them. So you know a lot of people seen him as a vigilante or as some sort of a, like a hero. So he kind of played into him in that aspect, and then you know. The climax of the movie, he he goes on television and he reveals himself as a Joker. You know, everybody knows who he is. And he blasts the TV show host, Robert De Niro, right in the fucking head on, like, national TV. And he pretty much asks him, like, why are you doing this? Your jokes are not funny. Um... And on the villain aspect, on the super villain aspect, on the justification of his 
actions. I don't think they, I don't think the message is crossed over fairly well. Um, not like Thanos. Thanos had total reasoning that you could implicate it to the society now. Like I, I've stated many times, um, we're polluting the planet. Global warming is happening, whether you believe it or not. Uh, ice caps are melting. Sea levels are rising. Hurricanes are getting stronger. Uh, there's already food shortages and massive uh, oil crises around the world. You know, Saudi Arabia just got bombed and something happened. You know, the oil production now spiked. Like, we're on a hairline thread, a full-on global World War Three, or a... We've been riding, we've been uh, tailing a crisis. And it's looming. I mean, I think people deep down know it's going to happen. But we don't know what's going to tip it over. And the world is just a, is just a, a, a keg of ammo. We're just a ticking time bomb. Um, you know, just that's just what it is. We're just a ticking time bomb. So when Thanos stated that, 50% needed to be gone and it was going to be at random man, women, child, rich, poor doesn't matter your creed it was going to be all randomized and the, the 50% that was left over would be able to you know, have full bellies be able to be grateful for things you know, like okay, well you know, his, his plan actually made a lot of sense you know You know, it's hard to argue with that, like, that kind of mentality. Like, you know what? You can't, we can't just, if a hundred people eat a hundred cakes in a day, you know, everything's gone, you know. But if 50 people eat 50 cakes, there still might be 50 cakes left over for, you know, or whatever. You know, you know what I mean? You know, the resources are not going to just die out. The planets are not going to die. Uh, and it's even stated in Endgame, you know, schools of whales come back to the Hudson, you know, to the East River in New York, you know. A lot of things were starting to come back to pre, you know, humanization of things. You know, Thanos was correct. Now, the Joker's you know, ascension and his reasoning for it is that he didn't, you know, he stated in the movie that, you know, he hadn't, he felt that he hadn't been seen, that, you know, what did he have to lose? You know, and and the punch, the whole, the one-liner that everybody's heard is, you know, the whole time he thought, his life was a tragedy when in reality it was a comedy he was looking at it wrong um in that societies you have to be a certain way in a certain mold in a certain thing and you're still gonna get trampled over um he had to be a certain way you have to fit the mold that's to me is not an overwhelming decision to go full on on a murder spree you know what I mean? Which is basically what he did. He ended up he ends up killing his mother. Uh, I believe he ends up killing his like 
the wife and child of the neighbors of his apartment building that he was living at. I believe he ended up killing them. Kills a couple of the clowns, like, you know, bashes one dude's head. Well, actually stabs him with the with the scissors and then bashes his head into the wall. And then, you know, he lets the nice guy go. But I think he does kill the... His apartment neighbor, her and the daughter. Well, maybe not the daughter, but I believe he did kill her. Highly likely. Most likely. Um, But that actually plays into what he was talking about. You know, they were next to neighbors the whole time, like... He, she didn't even re- recognize him. He didn't wasn't recognized by anybody. Um, you know, and he gets on the Murray show and like he tells him, you know, the reason you have me on here is because you were making fun of me. Like, you know, you know, you know, pretty much he just shoots him. Like, but to me, it wasn't that wasn't that much of a justification. Like. You know, if he really wanted... Uh, that part, I think, was really poorly written. Um, obviously, they had to make make it make sense. But I think they should have gone the route of, like, you know what? Um, you know, like... I think he should have shot Murray and then just simply, like... You know, he gets up and dances, but I think he should have been like, you know what, well... You know, he should have gone the full-on revolution, like, status that was happening. Like, you know what, we're going to kill everybody that's, you know, of the higher power, so to speak. But, you know, then maybe that, like, if he's, like, some sort of an underdog situation, but he was never, he was never in the underdog situation... You know, I think if he would have stated, like, you know what, it's it's the people ver- versus Gotham's elite, you know, that could have been, I think that would have been made more sense. Uh, but he was just, it was just like he just was doing it because it was, I don't know if it was attention seeking or just that you literally just, I mean, maybe it's really craziness that he was, you know. On him, on his mind, you know. But he does that. He's arrested. Um, the clowns outside are full on rioting against against the establishment. I guess you know things were boiling over in the city, which is you know pretty accurate. Um, and then they crash into his car. They pull him out of the vehicle. And that's his, like I said, his his full ascension from the depths to the top. He's now the top clown in the movie. Like, he's on the car dancing. His face is bloody. Um, they show, which is, which is an interesting take. It's not a robber that kills Bruce Wayne's parents. It's... One of the hyped up clowns that are, or one of the people that are against the establishment and end up killing 
Bruce's mom and dad in the alley at the movie theater. You know. So. You know, they show that Bruce is like eight in the movie. Baby Batman is eight in the movie. And that's pretty much how the movie ends. He ends up back in the... He ends up in Arkham Asylum. And... You know... I don't know if it was his therapist from the beginning of the movie. Or if it was his therapist from... A whole new one. But he ends up killing her. Uh, To me, the, the joke that she didn't get. That maybe a lot of people didn't get. The joke is... He was already... Therap- uh, in therapy and on pills and it didn't, didn't work I mean and I think that's kind of you know it, that's the definition of insanity you do something over and over expecting different results uh, if you do the same thing over and over and expect different results that's the definition of insanity and I think it's a joke you know in and of itself like if you if your goal is to make $100 but every day you spend 150 and you're like damn well how come I didn't make $100 you know and you keep doing it like 100 times 1000 times you know eventually you're gonna be like bro what the fuck are you doing like are you that stupid like it eventually becomes a laughing joke is it, as it was a lot you know as it were and you know that's kind of where the movie ends. He's in Arkham Asylum. He's now the leader of the killer clowns, so to speak. And, you know, it's just... That's where it ends, you know. I thought... you know, Well, that's what happens. I thought the movie was good. Um, very entertaining. Like I said, visually, is very beautiful. Um, I've been to New York, so I... You know, subways look real legit. New York subways. Um, where he's living at, it looks like legit New York apartments. Um, where he was working at, legit. You know, on the street level, it looked legit. Um, you know, everything that the characters look legit. I, you know, the movie. I gotta say. Outside of the the few things I didn't like about it, like I didn't like the fact that Joker in the movie is probably like forties or early fifties maybe, and Bruce is like eight, so there that version of Joker was never gonna. I don't think he's ever gonna cross paths with Batman. So I mean, you got to take that for what it is. Like Bruce Wayne is like he's a kid. And Joker is like a full old man already. I mean, it's possible that his age could have been in the early 30s. Or maybe even the late 30s. And then, you know, he could fight Batman when he's in his 60s. Possible. But, I mean, I Joaquin Phoenix's age is what it is. I don't know what, how old Joaquin Phoenix is. But he's got to be in his 40s, right? So, to me, I didn't like that aspect of it. Because you're never going to get... Continuity wise, you're never gonna get in that in that realm of Batman versus Joker movie in that aspect. Uh, it's just a, a different spin on it altogether. I don't know if they're gonna do any more Joker movies. To me, it was a singular uh, event 
Uh, I don't think that movie's going to tie into any, anything else they got going on. Um, and then just a little bit of like, just the justification of his actions, you know, was a little bit dull for me. Um, but everything else was really good. I mean, I gotta give, I gotta say this movie was like a seven out of a 10. I recommend it. It's not as dark as you would think, you know, it's not that dark of a movie. It's actually, there's a lot of comedy in it as well. Uh... Which I actually like. There's some levity to it. The mom tells him, like, you're going to be a stand-up? Well, don't you have to be funny to do that? And I was like, fuck. fuck. How's you going to just tell him tell him that to his face, bro? Like, damn. I was cold-blooded. But yeah, I, I recommend going and watching the movie. If you have a chance to go see it, go see it. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And I'm, and I'm a DC hater, so... You know, it wasn't, like... I went in there with high expectations, but I didn't leave without, you know, I didn't leave totally, like, disappointed either. But, yeah, that's definitely that. And that was Saturday night, you know. And I'm moving on. i got to talk about Sunday night here in a second. I'll be right back. Okay, so, wrapping up real quick, The Joker, the movie. I, I say go see it, you know. Go see it. It's totally... If you got time, it's a good... Like I said, it's a visually good movie. Um, spectacular, actually, visually. It's a real down-to-earth representation of, you know, Joker. And I highly recommend it. If you get the chance to go see it, go. Um, you know, those are my final thoughts on it. Now, moving from Saturday... You know, went home, got home about midnight Saturday, knocked out. Got up Sunday about 8, 9 o'clock, turned on the football games. Uh, my bae had spent the night with me. So, you know, we were up about 9 in the morning. You know, you know, doing our normal morning routine. And she took off to go home to go get ready for our evening activities Sunday, which was visiting Anaheim, more specifically the House of Blues, to see Knock Loose. Well, it was more me seeing Knock Loose than than Bay. But you know, as I told her, I was like, "Yo, let's get out there a little bit early. We'll grab a lunch, we'll grab some, you know, food, grab a, you know, some drinks, and then head in. You know, no big deal." So, you know. I watched the morning games on football. Football was Raiderless because we had the bye week. Uh, the Raiders actually came up because the Chiefs lost, the Chargers lost. Uh, so our rankings improved slightly. You know, I think we're tied for first. Um, you know, so that was good on that end. On the football end, was good. You know, also seeing the Cowboys lose to the Jets. You know, shout out to the Jets for doing that. It's kind of Kind of incredible if you think about it, like what who the Jets are. I don't think the Jets are no longer the worst team of football. I think that solely is a Miami thing, possibly a Bengal thing. The Redskins, I believe, got a win, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. Um, but yeah, the Raiders didn't play, so there's nothing to talk about sports. All oh, the Dodgers were eliminated, I believe, 
earlier. But, I mean, I kind of figured that was going to happen. Two back-to-back World Series losses in this year. They just seemed gassed. Even though they won a lot of games, I mean, they just... They couldn't punch the Nats out in... All the problems, you know, showed up. Kershaw just looked gassed. The team just looked flat at the last, you know. They just did, you know. Nobody was hitting the ball. You know, no confidence in themselves. And they just got beat. But that's neither here nor there, you know. Like I said, I had predicted that probably was going to happen. Um, but, yeah, so we had it. So we watched, I watched the first wave of games, took a quick nap. You know, and when I made a quick nap, I, mean, I think I slept a quarter of football. Then I got ready. Bay picked me up around two. We had we got there about three. After we got gas and all that, get there at three, and you know, we walk into the Anaheim Garden Walk. Now, the Anaheim Garden Walk, I don't know what the deal is, but it's been like deserted now. This is like the second time I've gone, and the the shops changed a little bit but then again like half of them are open half of them are empty it looks empty in there like they could use a whole bunch of other shops and i'm not exactly sure why they don't put more shops in there uh they could put a, a little ice cream shops little coffee shops they could put literally anything and people would go the people go in there now and there's not even that many stores for people to go into so i'm not exactly sure why they don't put more stores in there just anything but, you know, I'm assuming it has something to do with... I looked online to find out what was the deal with the Anaheim Garden Walk. Because this is not twice that I've gone there and it's been kind of like... Kind of empty. Uh, I hear that there's permits to build a hotel there. Or build a structure there. And then the only reason those buildings are there... Currently, right now, is because their plans are stuck in permits. They're gonna be stuck in permits for a while, so you know it takes a couple of years. So they're, you know, they're not putting anybody new, but they're not kicking anybody out either, yet. Now the House of Blues and the movies and the bigger stuff, those do well. The House of Blues was packed, obviously, it was sold out. Um. But yeah, I mean the Garden Walk, the, and the Garden Walk is nice. That's the whole thing. It's a nice little area. It's right by Disney. I know Disney has their own Disney Walk. Aside from the Garden Walk, but that's neither here nor there. Um. Yeah, like. Just, you know, we were there. We we ended up. Walking around through a few stores. I did see a couple of stuff that I wanted to do. I want to go to the escape room that's there. Um, something I'd like to do maybe another time. But um, there's also, you know, some Disney stuff. You know, some cool little... There's a Marvel store in there. There's some cool stuff in there. But, I mean, like, there's not a, a lot of stuff in there. Now, we went to this place called Fire and Ice, which is a, like a bar and grill type of deal. And I thought the stuff was that they gave us was good. You know, I got chips and guac. Uh, Bay got, I think she got egg rolls. I think that's what it was. It wasn't lettuce traps. It was egg rolls. Um, yeah, and we had we kicked it there. We had a couple. I had about a bucket of beers. You know, some Coronas. 
I had my first paper straw experience, which was fantastic, man. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk a lot of shit about the paper straws, but I put the straw in, drank my drink in about a, in a two minutes, my glass of water, pulled the straw out so it's not just in there soaking up ice, leaned it on the top, and I didn't feel that it got stupid moist. Now, I'm not exactly sure what's the deal with people leaving the straws. If you get a drink... And you get a paper straw, and you leave your straw in there for like 20 minutes. Of course, your paper straw is going to get soggy and disintegrated. But isn't your drink going to be, if it was cold, isn't it going to be like lukewarm at that point? Or just not cold anymore? You know, if you have a smoothie, wouldn't it have melted? You know, a shake... You can't for 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 sure that your shake after twenty thirty minutes is no longer a shake. It's just melted ice cream at that point. So I'm not exactly sure why that would be. You know why you would um why you would wait twenty or thirty minutes to drink your drink. That doesn't to me that doesn't make any sense. But you know it is what it is. You know what? I cannot find my earrings. That is such treachery. Maybe not on my bed. But anyways. Getting off subject. Yeah, I had my first paper straw. I didn't think it was that bad. I really didn't. I didn't think it was that bad. They didn't taste different. Everybody was saying that you could taste the straw. Like, no, you, who's tasting the straw? When you're sucking down soda, you're not tasting straw. You're tasting soda. Um... But I had, like I said, I had my first paper straw experience, and I and I thought it was okay. I, you know, a little bit better than okay. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, as a matter of fact. Um, and I thought it nice. It seemed like they would have better food. You know, I ordered mozzarella sticks. I didn't have any mozzarella. But they had my chips and guac, and the chips and guac weren't that bad. Plenty of chips, plenty of guac, and some salsa. You know, a bucket of beer is 25 bucks. You know, that was good. Service was great, you know. And I could imagine that place gets a little bit more packed at night. You know. Uh, there's some good stuff there. Johnny Rockets is there. Like I said, the Garden Walk is decent. It's not in tourist destination because it's like twice that I've gone and there's like not that many stores there. They could use a Nike store. They could use something like that, but it's not there. Um, But... That's not what I was. That's not what I was going there for. There, you know, I just went there to get there a little early so we can grab a little something to eat, grab a few beers, and then head in to see Knock Loose. Now, getting to the main event, probably the highlight of my weekend. The Joker was a good moment, and it was great to chill with Bay and my nephew. You know, eating popcorn, things like that. Um, but the highlight of my weekend had to be knock loose. Had to be knock loose. So I get in line about five forty-five. You know the show starts at, or the doors open at six. So you want to get in there, get, get situated, find your spot on the floor. You know, as it were, before the mob amasses, and then you're stuck. Like, just you, you know. If you get a drink, you have to hold it, you know. There's no place to lean up against, you know, things of that nature. So we get in there, we get a spot, 
we're chilling, having a few drinks. Um, the tour kicks off. See you, space. See you, space cowboy is really good. The really heavy. Um. You know, I don't. This tour was announced. It was knock loose, stick to your guns, rotting out, candy. See space cowboys and the warriors got added. Um. Of all the bands, I know Knock Loose the most. And they're a fairly new band. Now, I have seen the Warriors in the past. And I have seen Stick to Your Guns now several times. But I don't know who Rotting Out was. I don't know who Candy was. And I didn't know who CU Space Cowboy was either at that time. And I didn't even do much research because I felt like, you know what? There wasn't enough time to research all those bands. There wasn't enough time to even hear a song or two and even that's not doing justice but you know to myself because i could have at least researched the singles but you know what sometimes it's better not to do that you just absorb it as it is you know you make a judgment later based off of what you see but like i said see space cowboy was really great it was good i mean they came out in a frenzy got the crowd whipped up in a frenzy um, you know, it's always interesting to see, you know, first bands play and sometimes people stand around and a couple of people clap, a couple of people cheer. Sometimes first bands open up and, you know, there's like, they come with their own homies of like two or three moshers and those, only those guys are moshing and they only mosh to the really moshy parts. Sometimes, you know first bands get up there and they really rock but nobody knows who they are so people don't know what to do and you can see people want to mosh but they don't know what part of the song is going to be mosh heavy they don't know what's going to happen so they don't do anything but you could totally tell that like you know but i'm assuming because it was a solo out event people knew who see who see space cowboy was and immediately from the drop of the first china symbol was like at least 10 15 heads deep fucking throwing elbows and throwing kicks and throwing fucking you know throwing chucking bodies you know just from the drop of the first you know from the tip of the fucking show just straight it was a riot you know and even though i didn't feel like uh, I wasn't. I knew I wasn't gonna go down there for the whole night, but I was just watching. You know, they came on. They played about seven, eight songs, rocked it. You know, and like I said, they played really well. So I mean, they're probably somebody I might check out. You know, now here when I, you know, or if they're on a tour, you know, and it's like them, see Space Cowboy and Mirror, and like. I don't know, Gideon or somebody, I'd be like, yeah, that tour look is fucking good. Like, this be an amazing tour. Like, you know, you just, you, when you see the bands, it's not no longer like, when you've seen them once and then you're like, see what they're doing again, it's no longer a like, wow, like, they don't tour with anybody. No, they, you know, or I don't know who that is. Like, you're hesitant to buy a ticket if you don't know who's playing. You know, you wouldn't go to a concert if you didn't know, like, who is playing? Sometimes you do, but not not all the time. You know, and I'm like oh, I don't even know what, you know, 
what's playing. You know, just like a movie. Like, if you were like, hey, let's go see this movie. Like, let's go see Ad Astra. And somebody would be like, well, what is it about? Like, like, I don't know, something about space and fucking the moon and shit. And somebody would be like, mm. you know, you might get that hesitant. That's the same way it is with music. People were like, yo, let's go to this show. Like, like who's playing? Like, oh, it's this band and that band and this band. You know, and we're like, fuck, I don't know any of those bands. Like, I can't march, I can't sing, I can't do shit. And even you could go and get your mind blown by how amazing some of those bands were. Sometimes you'd be like, uh, nah, I'll pass. But now that I've seen Sea Space Cowboy, you know, if I see them down the road, you know, on another tour with somebody, I could be like, oh, you should go to that tour. That band is really good. That's how bands get known. That's how, they, that's how the wheels move for music. A lot of it is word of mouth. A lot of it is just being in the right place at the right time. Um, but moving on from them, like I said, I don't, I'm not going to grade them, but I'm going to give them like a solid, like a seven performance. I I don't know any of their songs. I can't tell you what they played or, you know, if it was up to par from anything they played before. I'd have to see them again and I'd have to hear the songs on an album several times before I make a decision. Uh, but they played really well. Like I didn't got no gripes. They were heavy. You know, straight moshy. Perfect to to set the table for the night. Now, up next was Candy. And Candy is another band. I don't have no idea who they are. But they are wildly rambunctious. They have a certain vibe to them. Uh, I want to say they're kind of like... Uh, every time I die, mixed with a little bit of hate breed. They're they're actually a really good blend of music for what they are. They're actually a really good. They have a really big sound to them. A little underground, a little unpolished in some areas, and a little bit like they needed this tour to get the wheel. Like them too, they need to get this tour going to get the wheels moving for people that don't know who they are. Um, like myself, now that now I might actually go and listen to some of their stuff. And now, if I see them on it, like I said, if I see them on a tour, I'm gonna be like, Yo, this band is very interesting, they sound a certain way. Um, and it's not in a bad way, it's not like I'm like, Well, they're a certain type of band that you know, whoa, don't listen. No, to me, they remind me of like a bit like Every Time I Die and a bit like Old Hate Breed, like. In that vein, but with the modern twist to it, like a little bit of modern sound, it doesn't sound like the old hardcore that used to be, but it definitely doesn't sound. They don't sound like a lot of metalcore bands or little hardcore bands that sound now. They got their own flavor, um, but they're really good too. Like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoy their set. Um, I don't know anything about them, but I might check them out. Um, and like I said, you know. Again, like probably like another seven. The kid that like you know, the people that knew them uh know all about them. Just you know, moshing like crazy, and and I have come to expect nothing less from a Nakaloo show where like Nakaloo's tours with bands that people just fucking move, like, and I think it's because like so much hardcore is there like. So much metalcore is there. So much heavy is there. 
that you attract all these fans and everybody knows two or three of the bands. And so, and then everybody that knows two or three of the bands might know the other bands. So you get a good group of people that know the music and then it's just like a giant festival in a sense. Like, everybody's going to be moshing. Like, I've seen Knock Loose now four times, maybe five times. And every time, it's a damn riot. Like, they're just brutal. I don't know, like, they... They have something about them that just not a lot of bands have. Or I've seen bands like come up and then they f- flail out. But I don't Knock Loose is coming up and they're on the cusp of an explosion of monumental proportions. I think that band is going places that they don't even know they're capable of yet. Like this tour is going to get done and I think the next tour is really going to be something special for knock loose but going back to candy candy's got their own flavor they needed this tour just like i needed to see them because now i can tell you guys from my own personal reaction that band is really good and it's definitely worth checking out and if you can catch them i would um because that band looks like it could go places as well like they're that good just like see you CU Space Cowboy was. They can go places. So can Candy. Um, you know. Hats off to that. Now. The Warriors played. After Candy. And. You know. I hadn't seen the Warriors in probably. A decade. Um, I don't even. Haven't even listened to the Warriors in about a decade. I remember when they were playing and touring constantly that they were, you know, I would hear the songs. As a matter of fact, they kept being on everybody's tours that I was going to. I was like, yeah. And I got familiar with the band. You don't know no shade against me. I never um, personally listened to any of their albums, but I'd seen them several times in the course of like two years or three years, maybe even eight times, maybe even ten times. And I knew exactly what they were playing. Like, I could i knew the songs i just knew just from osmosis what songs were being played now they I, they don't they didn't play a long set they didn't play anything that i even vaguely remember um one of the last things i do remember is they cover they cover rage against the machines pocket full of shells uh or whatever that song is called and they didn't play it, so I wasn't disappointed, but I was like, oh, man, I wish they could have heard that one more time from them, like, you know, because, not because I'm corny like that, but that's one thing I do know 100% that they do cover that song, and I would just like to hear, you know. But they played well, as they played well, too. Now, the Warriors are one of those bands that, I like, I've seen a bunch of times, and... They're not, at the time, you know, I was a little bit more edgy in a sense. I was a little bit more, I wanted my shit a little bit more aggressive, like, you know, Suffocate or the Acacia Trainer Bleeding Through, Throwdown. I wanted it heavier, I wanted it harder. So I kind of didn't listen to a lot of, like, Comeback Kid or, you know, the Warriors. And the Warriors are heavy, but they were... You know, just they just fell into that category of bands that I didn't have the time to listen to. 
uh, I seen them over and over, so I was like, well, you know, just when you think about it, you're like, well, why do I, you know, I know what they're going to play. I know the, the eight songs and ten songs they're going to play. I didn't need to really download anything, so I didn't really get into it. But they played well. They played well, too, you know. You know, I don't got, I, like I said, I haven't seen them in a while, so it's kind of, you know, nostalgic, you know, in a sense to see them again. I'm like, damn, I haven't seen that band in ages. Um, but like I said, they play well, too. A lot of people know who the Warriors are, as, you know, as do I. So it was good seeing them again. Now, after them played Rotting Out, um, I was still kicking it in the back, you know, a couple of the homies showed up. Adrian and Miguel showed up before the Warriors even started. Miguel said he moshed for the Warriors. He said it was intense in there. And he's right. By that time, the intensity of the show picked up dramatically. It was, you know, dramatic as you can, as you could possibly get, you know. Now, as I was saying, um... Riding, riding Out came out to play, and they're more on the punk side of the evening. They're, like, probably the most punk band that we played. Um, even though the whole tour kind of seemed it was more in the punk vein of the hardcore side of things. You know, hardcore is loosely connected to both punk and metal, but it's not quite neither of both. Um, hardcore, genuine hardcore to me is like genuine, genuine, like Madball. It might be a little bit of Agnostic Front. It might be a little bit of Cro-Mags. might be, you know, you know, newer school stuff like Throwdown. might be, um, you know, uh, I can't think of who's it. A genuine to the T hardcore band. I mean, Comeback Kid is hardcore. Shy Halud, you know, Death Star. But both those bands are they're neither metal nor punk in a sense. They're kind of right in there into their own little category. But there are definitely punk core bands like. You know, that have existed, you know. Obviously, in the last decade or 20 years that I've been listening, the more metalcore side of things has propped it up, both hardcore and metal, you know, and even beyond into the deathcore um, side of things. While I, I see, like, Most Precious Blood and... A few of the other bands kind of teetered towards the punk side of things. Um, you know, Death by Stereo. I don't even know if Death by, Death by Stereo would be classified as punk or AFI. AFI is more pop core, as it were. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more metal bands came up out of the hardcore era, metalcore era, than punk punk bands did or punk core or just more punky bands and with a little bit of hardcore twist to them um but nonetheless you know it's not uncommon now rotting out is more in the punk side of things probably the most punk band i've seen 
in the last, I don't know, I don't know how long. Um, but definitely, I mean, they played well. Not my cup of tea. I'm probably not going to listen to them. I mean, not that I, like I said, there's no shade to the band or anything. They played well for what they play. As a matter of fact, there is some heavy parts to it. There's some fast parts. There's some little bit of everything to that band. And they play really well. But they're already an established band. I'm not going to just jump into it. And I'm probably not going to go see a show where that's the entire front, top to bottom. It's their sound, you know. The more punk, I probably wouldn't attend it. I wouldn't know anything all those bands, and I just probably would be like, all right, well, you know, it's just, it's not on my radar, you know, at all. Like, for whatever, for anything, it's just not there. But like I said, they played well. I mean, I totally, the guy came out, the singer came out and just was like, fuck white power, you know, fuck you, and fuck a couple other things. And I was like, Bro, that's like the hardest intro that's the hardest introduction to a fucking show that I've seen in a while. And I've been to a lot of shows recently where I've had Jaws, the intro to Jaws, the sound bite to Jaws play. I've had, you know, Bad Bobby being played. I've had numerous other things. And this guy just comes out and is like, we're rotting out. Fuck white power. And I was like, bro. Like that, I mean, I probably would be like, you know what? Go listen to that band. Just because they said that. If you're into punk, like, oh yeah, I seen Ronnie. Now they're, they're really dope. Um, but am I going to pick up their shit and listen to them? Probably not. But I definitely, they definitely get two thumbs up for me. So, you know, on that aspect, like, I don't know any of their, I don't know any of their songs either. Um, and they played really well, so I was like, I was okay with it, you know. Fantastic, you know, it was a fantastic lineup so far. Like people are moshing. The show is highly entertaining, just as a visual aspect. People are moshing. People are moving. Music is good. Lighting, the light, ting inside is good. Uh, the sounds are good. No band is boring. Um, if I knew all these men, I mean, you would be marching from the drop to the end. I mean, you, I would have been tired of shit. But, you know, like I say, they play well too. I mean, I'd probably give them like a 7 or 8 out of a 10 as well. Like, it just solely on the fact that I don't know them. And it's been a while since I've seen a band that actually sucked. Um, that I would grade on a low grade for whatever reason. I have not been to a sorry ass show. In a while. Um, that's not to say that there hasn't, that it's not going to happen. I'm not going to keep rating everybody sevens. Like, eventually I'm going to come across a band and be like, you know what? The band was absolutely fucking sucked. And they seemed unenthusiastic. Nobody moshed. And I would rather have fucking shot myself than listen to them. Any moment longer. I mean, eventually I'm going to come across that. And I'm going to tell you guys that that band was a three or four or two. Or just, you know, they they should just disband. But I guess this tour was amazing. Just like a lot of tours I've gone to have been amazing so far. Um, 
And even though this band running out was completely out of my spectrum of music tastes, they played really well. So I mean, I get like I said, I give them another seven or eight. You know, the Warriors, I give seven or eight too as well. Now, moving on from running out was stick to your guns. Now, me and Bay were chilling. I kept getting her some beers. You know, we were just chilling in the back. I guess some of her friends know who Stick to Your Guns is, and I'm like, yeah, Stick to Your Guns is kind of like the adult version of like Weezer or or Good Charlotte. Like they're the heavy version. They're the Stick to Your Guns kind of presents itself as being like not quite a hardcore band, but not quite a metal band, but just kind of like a band that's not. Um, you know, crazy. You know, they got a little punk vibe to them as well, and they got a little hardcore vibe to them as well. Um, and I've seen Stick to Your Guns now, like four or five times in the last two or three years, and they play well. But they also have a lot of albums that I cannot just go back. As I said, moving on, I've seen. Stick to your guns several times now in the last couple years. And I do know songs that are happening now. Like, I've gotten a feel for them. And I don't know, man. Like, they played extremely well and extremely heavy, you know. And I kind of feel like I should give them a chance. But I've tried listening to the records. And there's a completely different sound on records to live. And... You know, I just can't get myself into them on their albums. I just can't. Um, I don't know what it is about it, like how they, why they sound so different, but they sound way better live. Um, I'm not sure if the band knows that, but they play heavy live, and I mean, they play a set of nothing but bangers. So I'm like, on surface level, they look like the second coming of Throwdown, like, nothing but bangers, just mosh all the way. But, I mean, I know that that's not how, it, that doesn't translate always onto the records, and I know it's just different, it just sounds different on the records. But, I mean, they played well, like I said, I've seen them now a couple times over the last couple years. They played really well. Now, I was hoping that most of the crowd, the moshers, most of the mosh crowd was burnt out. Or if they were not burnt out, that, you know, I was going to go in there and just handle business for Knock Loose. You know, I just kind of was kind of anticipating that, but I didn't know what else, what to anticipate seeing Knock Loose because, I mean, I know you know, what was going to happen. I had already visualized it. I've been fucking mentally salivating and mentally orgasming over what was going to happen, over seeing them and seeing their new music live. Now, as soon as Stick to Your Guns ended, I waited about five minutes to let the people that were going to leave that area to get out and then me make my way down to the pit area. And... You know, I went and did my usual routine and met up with my homies Adrian and Miguel. The only two of the squad of the Circle Pit 
on Instagram that made it out, um, that are went out, and I met up with them down there. They had been down there. They looked like they had already were struggling to fucking catch their breath, and I don't even think they were moshing. I mean, it was just packed down there. Now, I like I said, I had joined up with them, and I went down there, and you know. You know, got my, got in my zone. I had to crack a few bones, crack my fingers, um, stretch a little bit, zone in. Because I kind of felt like this was going to be a totally insane offering of music that, you know, was about to be, you know, on display here. And at that point, I separated from Bay. I, you know, she stayed in the back because you know the, I'm not gonna force anybody to go mosh with me if they're not into that. And nor am I going to drag anybody to those sort of things. But I, I went down there, and she stayed back, and that's 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 okay, no big deal. I'm a grown adult, but. As soon as things were getting close, you could tell they were getting close because Naklu set up insanely quick. And I told AJ, I was like, you know, they're ready to go. Like, there wasn't much that they needed to do to get out there. And then there was a little pause, like nothing was happening, and then the lights went down. And I could just tell you right now. They play an intro song. It's like a country song. And I, I'm almost think it's blue. The punchline is blue. Um, they they play that now twice. And I, I like it. It's a, it's a unique take on who they are as a band. But as soon as that song was getting close to finishing, I knew it was coming. Like, the pit was going to open up. And it's... You want it's just absolute fucking war. Um, you've got I don't know how many people fit in the house, but I want to say like a thousand or maybe fifteen hundred, maybe even two thousand people are up in there bearing down to get as close to the band as they can, get far enough as away so they don't get hit. But there, they want to be there. People want to be in the middle. In front of them, front and center, but they don't. You don't want to be fucking punched in the head. So I knew it was coming. It was, and then the time that I was standing there to the time tip off, the bodies increased seemingly double fold in that little pit area. Um, and it was just from the tip. It was just ready, set, fucking go, man. I mean. If you've never seen Knock Loose, if you're just hearing about now, if you've somehow stumbled across stumbled across this fucking podcast and you're a fan of heavy music and you have not seen them live, they are on record they are good. On record they're nines out of tens on the record. On live on live and in person, it, the intensity ratchets it up 
20-fold even from there. Which is insane. Like, I can't even describe the energy level that picks up just from them, you know, getting on stage. It's totally crazy. And my dog is barking. I don't know why he's kind of distracting me, but... Hold on a second. Bogue, relax! But yeah, not loose picks up the intensity. Like I said, the, the music beforehand was good. Like I said, they're better than average bands and better than average energy out of every band. No band looked like they were just up there just playing instruments. Everybody is swinging their guitars around, you know, jumping around, things of that nature. You know, and the crowd was hype as well. But Knock Loose is the band now. The This young generation of bands that are coming up, you know, it's Knock Loose, it's Kublai Khan, it's, it's Left Behind, it's, you know, it's Burials, it's, it's Chamber, it's Incendiary, it's, um, you know, Candy, see, uh, Sanction, it's, it's Wage War, it's, of all these bands, Knock Loose is the band, this is their sophomore album, Knock Loose is the band that is the measuring stick to whether or not what you're going to be as a band. Like, Knock Loose is always going to be like, oh, like, do they sound like Knock Loose? Have you toured with Knock Loose? You know, Code Orange is, I think, Code Orange, there was a little bit of, you know, they're kind of the same, but Knock Loose has completely separated themselves from everybody in the playing field. Um, a lot of the old bands are, you know, I can see that they know that they see Knock Loose is coming. They want to tour with them, if not for financial reasons, at least for, you know, to keep their keep them and their bands propped up as being, hey, you know what, we still dig the new and up-and-coming bands. We're going to help them. They're going to help us. It's going to be a good tour. Uh, so the old heads see it. You know, I see it as a fan of the heavy. I see it, you know, just written into the album, written into their singles and written into their performance like, they're going, like I said, they're probably going to explode and to be one of the bigger bands um, that has ever come forward from hardcore, metalcore, whatever core, whatever the fuck you want to call it, heavy. Um, they're infinitely heavier than Hatebreed. And so I think their future is bigger and better than Hatebreed's. Um, Hatebreed's, you know... Doomsayer is one of the most heaviest songs I've ever heard from a band live on albums. One of the most creative, heavy songs I've ever heard. And, you know, so is like Perseverance and Improving. But Knock Loose completely destroys those that sound they they uh, they're not obviously they're not bigger than Haybreed they're not better than Haybreed not saying nothing like that but I'm just saying sound and audio wise that's bigger and it's crunchier and it's gnarlier and it's heavier it's just it's just a big sound 
and live it's even bigger like it's completely insane um but yeah from the opening tip you know they played you know uh i'll tell you right now what they played they played trapped in the grasp of mem- of a memory like i think that was to open the set um they played they played every song that I was hoping they would play. They played A Serpent's Touch. Uh, they played Belleville. They played uh, my personal favorite on the whole entire album, By the Grave. Um, By the Grave, to me, the intro to By the Grave is just the heaviest shit. That's the heaviest riff. That's the most metal riff. It's just fucking brutal. That riff is just... It takes you back to the old metal days, like... Old Pantera, old Slayer, but it's just done so new school. Like, um, and the lyrics of that song are so fucking killer, man. Like, it's unbelievable. They play that song. I was like, I was hoping they would play that song, and I got my, I got you know, you ha- every time you step in the pit, you have to make your peace with God because, um, and I'll tell you why, but just because you're running the risk of just people going absolutely bananas in the fucking pit i mean you've got 30 to 40 people wanting to fucking kill anybody in the pit the band is fucking promoting you know open this shit up move make these motherfuckers move like you know and people are not wanting to get here they're hitting you to get away from them you know it's just you know coming it's coming at you from so many different angles um you know they they played those songs they played you know mistakes like fracture they played uh guided by the moon they played you know um and still i wander south they played actually a lot of songs off of a different shade of blue which is fantastic they also played one of my other favorites is oblivion's peak you know, Oblivion's Peak is actually the song that I first was like, all right, like, I had seen Knock Loose before, but I, you know, hadn't made the time to listen to them. Then I came across the song on Spotify, and I was like, holy shit, who is this? And I was like, oh, no, lo and behold, it's Knock Loose. And I listened to Oblivion's Peak, like, twice, and I was like, yo, this shit is fucking heavy. Now, it wasn't the heaviest song at that moment that I heard it, but it was just was right in my vein of what how I like my music. So, of course, I pick up the rest of the album, and the rest of the album is just amazing as Oblivion Speak. Um, they played Dead Ringer. They played uh, County Worms, obviously. They played Billy No Mates. Um, Small Victories. They play what else did they play? Shit. I know there's I'm no I'm missing a few songs in there, but I wanna say they played The Rain, but I'm not one hundred percent certain of that. Um but they did like I said, they played an amazing set. Um Absolutely bonkers, man. I mean I moshed about half of the set, you know, the other half of the church in there trying to enjoy it a little bit. And then just, you know, you can't mosh the whole time. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely too fucking insane. 
Um, but I did, I did mosh at least 50% of the times, you know. Um, Oblivion's Peak still remains one of my, probably one of my most favorite songs from him, but it's followed closely now by, by the grave. By the grave is just fucking, that's track is insanity. Like, I can't even hype the song up any more than I possibly can. That's one of the best written songs. It just, it just reminds me of so much that I've grown up with, so much where I've gone in life. And where I'm at, like how I like my music, it's just they put by the grave. If you've never heard by the grave, they put everything that I've ever listened to heavy into one song. It that is basically knock loose. It's a knock loose song. Like it's no denying that it's not knock loose. It's not like it's they. It's a side band or anything. Uh, it's in the middle of the record. It's perfectly placed in the record uh and they executed that song to the t live and i mean i just couldn't be happier that they played that song couldn't be more stoked that i've seen them now as many times as i have when they're little uh i expect them to go big places i expect them to do big things uh i think that band knows that they're going to be big and i know these the members are now lifers now it's not like this band, you know, produced this album and, you know, they're struggling and, you know, they have their loyal fan base, but they're not really growing. This band is growing exponentially fast and like every tour they're getting better. Somehow they're getting better as a band every time I see them. Every note they pen, every verse they make, they're getting better. And the crowds, they have, you know... They're an office away from just exploding to being kill switch big to being hate breed big to being just under you know like just under like under the and they could possibly get corn level slipknot level they could possibly get you know. You know, Limp Bizkit level, the a system of a down level big. Uh, I think they need just a few little pieces of the puzzle to line themselves up right, and they they could reach that height. And I would, I totally believe that they will reach that height. I I really think the band, their next album. I'm already thinking about their next album is just going to be. They're just going to destroy whatever is in the way and i totally believe that that's what that band is going to do these tour these next several tours and these festivals that they're going to do the next over the next two years is just the prelude to because i think they're already conquering local markets around the country and around the globe they're just conquering and now you know they're attracting they're going to start attracting the, like these old bands, like they said, the old heads are just now going to be paying attention to them. And now, like I said, the old heads are going to reach out to them. And now it could be, it could be System of a Down. It could be, you know, Haybreed. It could be Kill Switch. It could be Slipknot. It could be Corn. It could be any a number of bands, you know, that are there, that are these established 
monolithic creations that are these these the Nautilus is just one tour away with one of those bands and anybody in any heavy aspect that sees you put Nautilus in an audience if Nautilus were to get on tour with Corn let's say it's Corn Nautilus and you know um let's just say like I don't know, let's just say another band out there. Uh, any band. And they're just picking a Let's just say it's Corn, Knock Loose, and any band. Um, when that first initial band plays, you know, the crowd fills up. When Knock Loose plays in front of Corn, but Knock Loose plays. And they have 10,000, 15,000 eyeballs on them. And they come out and absolutely decimate the fucking audience. That's all it's going to take for them to just reach and surpass any band. And then, and I, I literally think they're just one. They just need to do one. Uh, supporting act tour with any of these big label bands. And I know that those bands are paying attention because Knockloose is selling out arenas left and right and they're just going to get on one of those tours like just how Hatebreed did. Hatebreed is now this established, you know, this thing, this entity that is just fucking huge. Um, But yeah, Knockloose is there, man. Uh, And... I'm glad that I got to see them now as many times as I have when they're little. Because it's... That's phenomenal, man. Their set is absolutely... It's fucking brutal. Now, moshing to it... Like I said, I moshed to about half the songs. The homie Miguel got lacerated on his left eyebrow with about a three-inch laceration on his head. Uh, I'm thinking he caught an elbow. It could have been a fucking skull he doesn't know nobody knew I walked out relatively unscathed but I know I have already listened to Knockloose's new album about 10 times and I knew every part like I said you do your homework you do your homework you do diligence before you fucking step foot into an, in an, into an environment like that you know protect myself at all times in that sense so I knew it was coming. I knew all the breakdowns. I'm not going to get caught just fucking moshing out there, you know, in a fucking, you know, just a, a recipe for disaster if you do that. But like I said, I was totally prepared for it, totally just ready for it. And, you know, I only got tagged in the head once, but it, I was already sweaty. So the, the tag kind of just like slipped off me, you know, when you're sweaty and people trying to physically contact you, whether it's boxing or or MMA or whatever, or even moshing or, I want to say, like, basketball or football, you know, you, you don't get that grip. You don't get that little extra bite, that, you know, that little extra grasp that you can get on somebody. Especially, like, in football, too. When you're a running back and you're sweaty and everything's humid and you're just running full force, I mean, 
tackling you in the cold versus tackling you, tackling you in the humidity is totally different. Anybody will tell you that. NBA players will tell you that. Try guarding somebody when they're full on, in the full sweat versus when they're fresh. Any boxer, any wrestling fan will tell you the same thing. You just don't get that extra grasp action. But Miguel got tagged immediately. He said it happened right away. Uh, And then he shuffled out to the back. Uh, Adrian got tagged a little bit. Um, I seen him at one point. He was just bleeding from his mouth. Uh, These are two two, uh, homies that I know that are very familiar with moshing. They're very familiar with, you know, mosh etiquette and how to protect yourselves. I mean, it's not like I took my nephew or took, like, my girl that was there, you know, into the pit. Like, hey, we're going to do this, and but you don't know what's going on. These are, these are gentlemen that knew full well what was going to happen. And, you know... You do protect yourself regardless of... I don't care who you are. You, there's a little bit of defense involved in in moshing. As well as me. I, I defend my... I take a mouth guard now every, every show with me. Because I cannot... You just cannot get trust getting whacked. You know. It just happens. You know. I usually guard my head. I put my hands. Make like a shield around my head. In case... You know. Things are getting bucked. Um... But they got tagged. I got tagged a little bit too. I didn't. I don't have anything to show for it. I just got punched in the head. Like I said, it was just a passing glance. Um, yeah, and enough about. The, I mean, just knock loose is just fucking amazing, man. Um, the mosh was fucking epic. The set they played was really good. I mean, you know, I don't think they played the rain. They and I don't and I don't know if they played a fetish either. Or laugh tracks. I mean, I, they obviously they played a lot of new stuff. You know, if you grew up seeing them the last couple of times, now they play the majority of their stuff is laugh track material. Uh, they injected a lot of a different shade of blue material, but that is not a bad thing at all. That like I said, they sound a lot better. Um, they still have counting worms, and they still closing with that. Be interesting to see them going into the next album where Counting Worms actually I think that should be I know that is the hero song for them right now. That's the song that got them the most noticed. But I think that song would do well in the middle of their set um as a bridge. Um I know the band or maybe even open with it. Maybe not, but I think they're going to eventually move that song around. I don't think that song's leaving them yet, not for another album or two. Um, they Currently, they've ended with it now a couple times that I've seen them, which isn't a bad thing. The song is amazing, but I think that band eventually will get tigered of it, jaggered. It'll be a little bit haggard playing it over and over every night. Uh and I think the band fully knows that that's going to happen sooner or later. Um, because they were already, you know, it's already gone under like a transition of a sense. 
I, I can't explain it to you unless you've seen it live. There, it's not the county. It is a county one song, but they there's pauses in the song, and they filled in the pauses with some extra things. They they shoot streamers now. The song has gone into a transition. It's no longer the county worms that's on the record. It's there's a little bit of adaptation to it. They play with it a little bit. Um, you know. It'd be interesting to see. Like I said, it'd be inter- I think they should move that song to the middle of their set. Um, but it's up to the band what they want to do with it. I would even say they should open with that motherfucker, bro. Like, just coming out of it. Just hit the crowd with fucking County Warns right off the bat. Get that shit out the way. Because I think they... They can... They have made strides since then. They're not a one-trick pony anymore. Um, they're not even a two-trick one. I mean, they're a whole fucking arsenal, man. Um, but I think they can make... I think the band knows what's going on. And I think the next album, they're going to distance themselves from County Worms. I think County Worms will still be there. But it's not going to be no longer, like, the focal point of their set. I think it's just going to be shuffled in somewhere. Um, and every band does that. They make an adjustment to where the songs are placed in the sets what they practice, where they can change songs in and out based on if things happen. You know, oh, so-and-so got sick, the guitars got sick, but, you know, we don't, you know, the things like that happen to bands, you know, oh, in case, you know, we have to do a set with, you know, just one guitarist or whatever, you know, they make it small adjustments to their, what they play, and I think Knockless will make that adjustment. But like I said, they're, the band is just one big supporting act away from just hitting it on a fucking grand scale. Like, I'm confident that that band will get to that point soon. In the next couple of years, they're going to be hate breed. They'll get hate breed size fairly quick. Um... And I think they're gonna get kill switch size. They're gonna get. They're gonna get to this size, and they're gonna be able to be doing pulling, massive tours. Will they be legendary rock stars like Metallica, Slayer, Pantera, you know, Marilyn Manson, Corn, Slipknot esque, mm, possibly System of a Down. They could reach that level. That's totally within their realm of possibility. Will they reach the realm of Habri, Killswitch, Attila, you know, Black Veil Brides, Avenged Sevenfold? I think they're already there. They just haven't had the national media exposure. And when the national, like the revolver exposure, they haven't had that one thing that just happens to bands like you know, for Hatebreed, it was September 11th. For, you know, Slipknot, maybe it was a little dust up with Fred Durst. You know, for System of a Down, they came out and they were like anti-Bush. They were like the first anti-George Bush people. And that was rock, you know. For Lamb of God, it was, you know, everybody has that like little moment in them that, you know, they just get hit with, and sometimes the bands just completely 
ride that wave and just something happens, man. It's just the stars align. And I think that will happen with Not Clues. I don't know what it's going to be, you know. But it, I don't, I see them for sure playing in front of crowds of like 10,000, 15,000 people, heads suiting up. And it's not because they sold out and took the, you know, the, they took the pop route, you know, and they made songs with singing. They made songs with, you know, a lot of chants and a lot of fucking this or that, you know, gimmick stuff. The band is genuinely heavy. Anybody in the heavy realm that is into heavy metal. And the heavy metal populace is huge. They're going to, as soon as they hear Knock Loose for the first time and just see them live and have their fucking heads blown the fuck off and not disappointed by what they go back and listen to on the albums and not disappointed by the tours that they are on and the way that they play. They're gonna turn heads. Um, they already turned. They turned my head completely. You know when laughed when I heard laugh tracks, like I said, they were a good band, and I was like, dude, they're fucking wild. The band I knew the band was wild, but I do like I do like Spite. I do like you know other bands, Kublai and just Knock Loose is just there's something there that is just. It's more. It's just they got... They have something that... Bad, some bands don't have. I mean, they just have it. I mean, it, they have an it factor, if you want to put it that way. But they're just they're just monstrous. And Kublai Khan is monstrous as well. Uh, Binoculus is fucking monstrous. They're just a monstrous fucking band. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it other than that. Gullis, I mean, it completely blew blew out Anaheim. Anaheim was sold out. They blew it to smithereens. Um, and that was a show, man. That was a show. That was my weekend. I'm going to get this posted up here shortly. And, you know, I'm off to Vegas next week. So, for my girl's birthday. And I'm going to enjoy that with her. And I'll, let, I'll get to do a podcast with you guys about what I do in Vegas. So, I'll be in touch with you guys here shortly, hopefully in another week. Stay tuned, guys. Enjoy.